my father used to hit his finger accidentally with a hammer or something else. You know, you'd hurt yourself. Uh, and he would always say, damn, and he'd say it loud, but my name's Dan. So I would always answer him. <laughs> so he'd go, damn, I'd go, what? He'd go, not you. <laughs> I just tried to take my finger off. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. So, my friend, we are at the end of a year. We are. We are. It's been... Well, when did we start? It was in... Nine months ago, I think now, right? April? It was April? Maybe around then. Almost the whole year's worth. You know, this is... This has been a good journey so far, but we are. We're finally at the end of the year. This is the last podcast of the year. Yeah, this is true. You know, where where do we go from here, I guess? We're going to go uphill. (laughs) (laughs) I sure hope so. We're not going downhill. (laughs) But, you know, so far we're, I think we've, we've come a long way in the last, you know, eight or nine months or whatever it is. And uh, it's been fun. We've learned a lot. And, uh, and, you know, from our very first episode of kind of the initial dive into chat GPT to, to where we are now, I think we're a lot better than we were. We we started. We're getting better. Yes. Uh, You know, we we have a couple more more listeners. (laughs) We, we try not to talk over each other quite so much. This is true. There's actually people listening and, uh, it's been good. Yeah. I'd say it's been fun. And uh, we have a lot of good plans for next year, which is, you know, making yeah. this making this exciting. I mean, you know, and we when we talk about, you know, failed technology for the year, at least we weren't on the list. Yeah. yeah. And uh, not this year. We've, we've survived our first almost year. And, um, you know, every every month our uh, listenership grows and, you know, we've rolled out the website. And uh, we now have a YouTube channel that we're getting ready to go. Yeah, and so we're going to do, do some video work. Yeah. At least we're going to try. Well, we'll probably be just as bad as that as we were some of our initial uh, initial podcasts, but it's going to be fun uh, working it out. Well, we get to play with technology and put our stuff together. A little camera gear, a little more audio, a little bit of lighting, you know. My, my wife always loved that. I got to go... Got to go get more gear. I need, need more stuff. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, we buy our toys. Got to get our toys. Yeah, we figured today a good a good episode to end the year would be to talk about some of the, I guess, kind of failed technologies from, from this year. Companies that may have gone south, may have gone sideways. And um, some things that are honestly a little bit surprising and, you know, the the first one I'll I'll start with is um, the scooters. You know, it seems like everywhere you go, every corner there was just these pile of scooters that you could drive everywhere. I guess do you drive a scooter? Ride a scooter? I guess is probably a better ride a scooter. A I think because you're you're because you're standing up. Maybe uh, that's a good question. I, I guess it is a ride. Kind of like the last time where we were talking about, do you listen to a, a an audio book or do you read an audio book? But, you know, <laughs> who knows? Um, but, you know, the, we've had a couple of big ones kind of, you know, fall into bankruptcy, which honestly, I find a little bit surprising. I would have, 
you know, in the big cities, I would have thought that they would have survived. Well, I was just in the city though. Right. Um, and they still had them. I don't know if it said bird on them for that one, but they still had scooters on yeah. the side of the road. Well, I know Lime. Lime is the other big one, mm. which I believe is owned by Uber. They're still around, but Bird was, see, you know, that's the one that, that has kind of gone away. But I would have thought that they would have been fine in a lot of big areas, but they had a lot it, of accidents, serious accidents. I had one yeah. of my own. My, I had one as well. I, uh, I was in Atlanta using one and uh, ended up getting hit by a car. Nothing serious. Oh Nothing serious. I went over the front hood of the car, though. I saw it happening and kind of jumped in the air to get over the car. But uh, <laughs> the guy never looked both ways and just pulled out of a parking garage and just <laughs> jumped right in front yeah, of yeah. me. And basically, I couldn't stop fast enough. So I went over the car and well, the scooter went into it. And uh, my understanding is a lot of people have gotten hit and killed at night because they were using the scooters in the dark, they were drinking and then either swerved into traffic or something else, or they weren't seen by a driver because they didn't have any reflective gear on them. You know, those scooters don't exactly have a lot of uh, space to put a lights on and, and put reflectors. So I do remember Atlanta tried to change the rules and you weren't allowed to use them at night. So that was to try to work around that problem. But I'm guessing yeah. that's one of the reasons or one of several reasons why they they didn't become, you know, kind of a, you know, next thing like sliced bread. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, at one point they had, I think it was a multi-billion dollar valuation. Yeah. Uh, to me, I think the downfall of, of this and, and other similar um, kind of companies is the 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 ever growing push for more and more and more and more and expansion, 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 expansion. And they never really slowed down enough to make sure that they were getting it right. Similar to what you're talking about with the lights and other things, you know, they had lots of run-ins with, you know, city municipalities and, and, you know, just having these things all over the place and people coming and picking them up. And yep. I think if they would have, possibly kept into the right cities and the right areas, they could have done better. So like I live in St. Louis and St. Louis used to have them piled up everywhere. Yeah. And I love St. Louis. I grew up here, but there is not a lot of places where you're going to use one of these scooters to get you from one place to another. Okay. They were always kind of silly to me. Like there, there's, there's like maybe like inside of a couple of the neighborhoods we have here in the city, but from a mass adoption perspective, there's no reason why anybody would have ever brought them here. And I can't, I'm, I'm very not surprised at all that they failed. And I think that probably happened in a lot of places that cost them a lot of money and a lot of time, a lot of effort. Maybe because they dumped them into every city hoping for the best instead of maybe doing a little more research. Um, I yeah. know when I was in Atlanta, like I said, and uh, even in New York City, I could see using them. I used it to go run for lunch or to, you know, get around town real quick because it was just big enough that the walk was going to take me 
you know, a considerable amount of time. I could jump on one of those in in, in a third of the time, you know, be to the location I needed to go to. (laughs) Plus they were fun to drive. So it was, you know, fun to play around with them and they weren't expensive. So maybe it was a matter of picking the right cities and starting smaller instead of putting all that money into, you know, their overall ecosystem where they just dumped it into every city, hoped for the best. Right. And then they had to manage with them because they were getting stolen. They were getting broken yeah. and they were having a lot of problems. Yeah. And the, to me, that's really the, the biggest thing. The, just the costs had to just be mounting and mounting and mounting. Yeah. And at, at that point, and you're kind of taking the Walgreens model of who cares what, what our stores are selling. We're just going to be opening them up everywhere. And you know, that's another thing that I know happened in a bunch of cities, but definitely here in St. Louis, where like every other block, there's a Walgreens. It's because there's just this, oh, grow, 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 expand. And you can keep talking about new store sales are great, but, you know, who, who cares about existing store sales and everything else? Right, right. All the traffic from yeah. the old store disappeared and all went to the new store. So you're not a, yeah. you're not really showing a, um, a valid picture of your yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not joking. It, it, I, I've been trying to get back to running. Within a, a half a mile from my house. Well, actually, I can cut it down. The ma- one major intersection north of me, there is a, a Walgreens. The major intersection south of me, there's a Walgreens. And if you go west, it's maybe it's not one intersection. It's on the other side of my little neighborhood, there's another Walgreens. <laughs> Do you live in an area that you feel like um, do you live in an area that's a walking kind of community where, you know, like where I grew up, we had a corner store on each end of the street. Yeah. And they competed with each other, but they really didn't to a point because you'd walk everyone who was close to one would walk to it. And, you you know, you picked. Right. Um, do you feel like you're in that kind of area where they're kind of like New York City, right? They're putting one on every corner because it, they're all mini communities. Um, and I would say we're kind of in the middle. Like you're real. it's, you, you still see, you see people walking around, but not as much as you would see in New York. It's still kind of a driving culture here, but yeah, I just think it's funny. And I'm not disagreeing know, with your thought process, yeah. by the way, but I'm curious because the way you said that made me think of old school communities and did the organization decide to pattern its growth or its expansion based off that old school thought process of, you know, Hey, like New York city, we should put a coffee shop on every corner. There's more than enough people to support it where in your community, yeah. like you're saying, there's really not enough people to support you. Oh, putting there's one not, there's not nearly enough people to support all of these. Yeah, no. And there's also a grocery store on both of those that both have a pharmacy inside of them. <laughs> and on the one going South caddy corner to the, to the Walgreens is a CVS. All right. And on the other corner, there's another grocery store with a CVS pharmacy inside of it. So we are well covered when it comes to uh, pharmacies around here. And I'm thinking you never have to wait in line. You wouldn't think so. You wouldn't think so. But, you know, I always do. Which is even worse than with that many stores, you shouldn't have to wait in line. <laughs> yeah, you would think. Um, so another another one that's this has been kind of failing for a long time, but they just moved into bankruptcy this year, but it's our dear friends at WeWork. Ooh, WeWork. Okay. That's an interesting one. And I, 
I love this concept. Like, I love the concept of WeWork. I, I think that as we move out into the future, this concept has become bigger and bigger and bigger. Where, you know, the idea of having a big office for anybody that's, you know, not a, you know, thousands of people kind of company you don't necessarily need an office anymore, but you need a place to go. You need a place to be able to have meetings and do those types of things. And you still need to get together as a team at some point. Yeah. Or meet with your clients even. Right. Or just to, you know, I beg our company to, you know, please give me a WeWork subscription. I would love to get out of my house. I I have a beautiful office. I have a beautiful home. I have no reason to complain, but I've just got to get out of the house sometimes. Yep. And I would love to be able to go have an office somewhere that I can just get out of the house. And this model, I think makes a ton of sense, but the way that it was run, uh, not so much. Well, and COVID didn't help it either. Right. We, 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 their model was specifically about people getting out of the house and going to a temporary place to work. And then we had COVID and we had everyone works from home and now it's consistently everyone works from home. So though you want a place to go, the labor force or the workforce is no longer required to go to an office. So thus their, their model um, doesn't work. Right. And I mean, they had, other problems as well, but basically me not needing an office anymore or me needing an office once a month doesn't help them sustain all the locations they had and run the buildings they had. Well, I, I agree with you. The, the, to me, the challenge is always the buildings that they had. I have walked by some WeWorks and it's like, hot damn, that is a nice place. Oh yeah. They were definitely designed. <laughs> yeah. And they, they were not, they were very pricey and very pricey neighborhoods and buildings. And, and, um, that's, that to me is the hard, hard part to get over where are people really willing to pay for an office in that kind of a swanky neighborhood? Maybe, but not enough to be able to keep you afloat. Right. Exactly. And most of these organizations do have offices in other locations. We did in our past company. Um, and you're not going to pay for your high end, you know, big city office space. And at the same time, go give everyone a subscription to WeWork. Like that's a lot of overhead for, you know, I don't know that. it's cheaper for me maybe to fly you into the city once in a while to have a face-to-face meeting than it is to give you a WeWork account or even any of their competitors when they were around. Right. Yeah. 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 I guess it depends on, how you want to work as a, as a company and, you know, where do you want to spend your money? Because yeah, I totally agree. Having a big office building plus these kinds of subscriptions makes no sense. No, not at all. Nope. Not at all. Um, which is, it hurts them. It, I like what you said for future and it might be where they get a little innovative and figure out how to work is how do you offer services to, companies that don't need, you know, permanent space, but give them pseudo permanent space. And I do think they do some of this because last time I was in one of their offices, they had rooms that had uh, company logos above the doors. So I think you can rent permanent 
you know, space, not just truly temporary space. If you can offer corporate office space for certain organizations where they can put their equipment in it, manage security, you know, put some logos or some signs up and use it as more of a permanent space, then it might work. But other than that, because you have to remember too, right? We're at a, I think we're still in it. We're at a place right now where real estate is still hurting, right? And there's going to be a huge change with real estate as buildings are too expensive. Nobody's renting them anymore. Nobody's going into the offices. People are going to end up losing their mortgages are not wanting to pay or default or however you want to look at it. Right. And they're basically going to have to sell the buildings off when they sell all the buildings off, then they're going to have to bring people back in, which will thus reduce the rent, which will then make it affordable to go back into the office. And then there's going to be a question of, do we buy office space or not as an organization again, but we have to wait for that, that, that change to happen, which I think is going to happen next year, maybe, but, um, when that happens, corporate corporations might decide to either go back to the office because it's not as expensive again, or just decide to get out of it altogether. And that would be an opportunity for WeWork to step in with some kind of unique business model that helps them, right? They can get cheaper office space as well as yeah. then do a management model. It's no different really than when IT jumped in and said they'd run all of your IT department. Right. They could do a location services type of service where they help organizations to globally have office space and they manage all of it. Well, I think that's, you know, it all comes down to price. And just like I was trying to say a little bit ago where, you know, you can't you can't overpay for office space in very nice neighborhoods and very nice buildings all over the world. And then sell it for essentially a discount. Right. It has to be the other way. You've got to be able to get cheap, cheap land and then give it to people that don't want to lease their own and kind of go from there. Hopefully, you know, they can get that changed around. And I think there is a really good market there going out in the future, but we'll, we'll never know. Yeah. So, so let's beat on another one here. Let's see. So one we do know, and we did a, we did virtual reality before, but this one is uh, Google Glass. Just doesn't doesn't want to die. So uh, the funny article that I had seen said, "No, it's not dead yet, but it's almost there." Like as if everybody almost. thought it died a couple of years ago, you know. I mean, it it came out in 2013, mm-hmm. which it feels like forever ago now. And I remember when this first came out and, um, you know, this was really seemingly one of the first times that the, the general public had this like visceral reaction to technology (laughs) and the general public hated this thing. Oh man. Like it was big brother. It was all things wrong with technology. Yep. (laughs) And well, I mean, you know, that's where the term glass holes <laughs> people that had it came from, you know, and, but the, to me, the, you know, a ton of stuff came out of this. This was really the first kind of AR 
people are going to, you know, this was really the first major kind of mainstream AR VR kind of product. Well, it was and trying to, to push me, the I limits. I always thought it yeah. was cool. Yeah. It's, um, um, sorry, I didn't mean to, to step on you completely. I was agreeing with you. It's, it, it's not that it was the first thing that come out to your point, but it's one of the first products that came out trying to push the envelope. Yeah. I, so there was a couple of different iterations of it, but the, you know, I, I always, I guess I just never really understood why people hated it so much. Well, it wasn't super intrusive. Like when you look at the actual glasses, it, it it wasn't terrible. It gave you information. It gave you context, um, especially in some of the like industrial type settings and those types of things. It could do a lot of pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, you know, it's been kind of hanging on for a while. Um but uh, you can make a bit of an argument that some of the, like the vision pro and even some of the meta, like the meta quest stuff wouldn't maybe have been as successful without Google glass kind of breaking the, you know, being the pioneer and being the hated one and, right. and uh, kind of going from there. Uh, the interesting thing is Google glass. One of the things uh, was health concerns. So they started thinking there was, you know, uh, all that running up at the top of your head was going to have radiation and all these problems and going to cause brain damage and a lot of that. Right. Um, uh, the screens that close to your eyes were going to hurt your eyes. So I guess kind of supporting what you just said, right. That started that thought process. And then we negated those issues, thus allowing a lot of the other VR headsets and a lot of the things we have today to come onto the market without that pushback. Like no one was pushing back this time because they already said all they were going to say on the, the first set, which happened to be Google Glass. The other thing was there was a privacy issue, right? They were saying it would take videos and images and things like that without you realizing it was doing it. That was yeah. an actual concern, right? There's a privacy concern there. If you're wearing the glasses and I'm talking to you, I don't want it videoing and recording our conversation. I don't want it taking images without me knowing. But now everyone has the Google nests and the Alexas and everything else inside of their home. Like that, that to me is the, I guess that came after this. Um, yeah, when, that was, yeah, that was like 2017 or 2018 on all of the. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I could see that. You know, it it is a, a very weird thing that someone has something that could be recording you that you don't know. Well, that's more what like it was. It had like a big flashing red light on it to say, hey, a camera's on. Right. If if I'm walking around the supermarket and, you know, I'm looking at things I shouldn't be looking at and I'm pushing button taking pictures, that was the voyeur side of it. Right. Or if you and I are talking and you ask me a question that normally would be something you and I just complain about a coworker or about work or we're talking politics and it's just between you and I and it's just a normal venting session between friends. If you can now record that and use it against me or accidentally get shared somewhere, you know, that's going to make it so people don't want to talk. That's going to make it so people don't want to share 
information, right? It, it's a serious privacy issue and uh, it would degrade trust between people, I think, rather quickly. And that's going to come up with new products in the future too. But I think that hurt them, especially that far back. It was so new on the scene. You know, these were, these were real concerns and new concerns in the market where, like you said, now everybody has the devices in the house and everything else. We, we don't think about that security the same way we did, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. So in, in the same kind of vein, how, how familiar, familiar are you with this humane AI pin? Oh, not a lot. Oh, I just saw some of that though. You're talking about this the, is, the Star Trek-y kind of, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I know this hasn't died in 2023, but this is my prediction that this dies in 2024. <laughs> this thing is weird. And, and it's supposed to be, you know, this little pin that you, you, you know, for those that don't know, it's this little pin that hangs on your shirt and it's supposed to essentially get rid of your phone and other things. And, you know, if you get a phone call and you kind of hold your hand out and it'll like shoot a little, like, you know, thing onto your hand where you can see it and you can hit answer and it, it, <laughs> it feels very star tracky. Yeah. But it, it to me feels a lot like kind of what you were just talking about with Google glass. Like you have this thing that very well could be recording me. It could be doing a lot of things. It's definitely listening. And what is it doing with any of that? Right. And, uh, you know, the, the folks that built this had a, seemed like it was going to really do a lot of great things and was going to change the way we work and the way we operate. And from everything that I've seen, the, the welcoming has been uh, lukewarm at best. And people have not really seemed to, uh, to gravitate towards it. And even the, they, uh, when they roll it out, they did this kind of on stage presentation and it didn't quite go as well as you would hope. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. I think it's kind of weird. I don't. Uh, I, I also heard that it weighed about the same as a golf ball. So you weren't going to wear it on your, your shirt or your jacket, you know, for, for any length of time, because it would be pulling your shirt down and stretching it the whole time. Yeah. I guess it's a, a magnet. On the on the back that kind of holds it holds it together like from the front to the back, but yeah, I'm I'm not a fan. I can't say I'm a fan, and it might just be because I'm old and and I just don't like new things. Get off my lawn, but I like the Star Trek exp- aspect of it, but I think the design still has a way to go, ways to go. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how it's doing. I wonder if it's doing a lot of its processing like on device or if it's having to connect via cellular or something to, to do a lot of things. Mm. I'd, I'd be a little worried about it not having the processing power to be able to keep up. Yeah. But I think when you look at like Apple watches, Apple watches have a ton of functionality. It makes more sense on my wrist. And, and it's funny that could listen to, but we don't ever think of it from the phone, from the watch. Right. But here we are talking about something on my lapel as a pin and, and I'm going to worry about it recording me or doing some weird stuff, but yet everybody has the watches now, right? So it's a true story. Hmm. 
it's so weird how I guess it's be, you know like a watch isn't pointing straight at your face, right? Like I think that's the weird thing with it being kind of on your shirt. It's just it's pointing right at you, and yeah, it's right there. What is that thing yeah. doing? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Tell me, like, <laughs> over it up. That is funny. So, so I have one. I have another one here, and I'm not sure if you know the product, but it's called Overdrive. Have you ever heard that one? That's a. I read a lot, so. So it was uh, one of two tools that were out there that connected to your library so that you could rent um, books, videos, like you get eBooks for free through the library. And uh, it was Overdrive and Libby. And Overdrive was retired this year and Libby's still out there. Um, I think I have one other one I use still. What I like about it is it allows for you to put your library card in and you can, and there's a plugin actually for the browser as well. So when I bring up a book on Amazon, it tells me if it's in the library and if I can basically rent the book for two weeks for free. So I don't have to buy a book unless I really want the book. But Overdrive couldn't keep up and they basically, I guess, fell apart because Libby and some other products provided better services, better functionality. That's that's actually pretty interesting. I, you know, we have such a great library system here in the U.S. that you think that I would use that, but I, I, I never do. So the other one is Hoopla, H-O-O-P-L-A. Oh, I've heard of Hoopla before. Yeah. So Libby and Hoopla are the two that are currently available, I believe. And you put your library card in and you get to actually use the services of your library without needing to go there. You can get physical books as well. But the nice thing is you can get a lot of eBooks. I was spending tons of money doing like Audible and other products. And I was, yeah. and before that, before Audible came out, I was buying books on tape for my drives, things like that. And it was a lot of money where... Most books I only want to read once. Like I don't want to keep them for a long time. So I wanted a service and this came along. This was a perfect service for it that you could read a lot of books that you might not want to own. And then if you decide you want to own it, then go buy the book, right? And add it to your library. Books you might read. Because like you should, and most of us should, and if people don't, they should have a subset of books that they believe they learn from. And then they should reread them once every year or once every couple of years. So you should have three levels of books, right? You have books you read once and throw away, books you don't finish because you shouldn't. Um, You should have books that you like that you read every couple of years because every time you read them, you're in a different part of life and you learn something new from them. And then you should have a very small subset of books, which are your mentors almost. Like they're your book version of certain mentors. And there's books that you feel like have changed the way you live, changed the way you think about certain things. And again, when you read them, they truly continue to teach you. Like every time you read it, you learn something new. And those books should be in a, a separate bucket of, of knowledge that you learn from. These tools allow you to quickly get a lot of those books and then, you know, figure those out, figure out which ones work for you. Not just watch a YouTube channel that tells you, here's my 10 favorite books and you, you pick theirs. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the only thing I need to do to be successful is read those 10 books. And right. It's just... And that's it. I mean, it's over from there. Like, 
just you just grab the rake and start just raking in the cash. Right, right. Point. Lock yourself in a room for a week, read those 10 books, and you'll be fine. <laughs> oh. Hey, I'm actually kind of sad that that one's gone. Like, I think that would be something that I, I, I could absolutely get value from. Yeah, Hoopla's but, still around, so check out Hoopla. But the other ones, check that one out. the other ones are gone. They're all gone. Um, here's another bit of a contentious one. Be interesting to see if you you have many thoughts about this. But are you familiar with Apollo? Yes. So for for folks that may not know, uh, Apollo was a third party app based off of the Reddit APIs. And throughout this year, Reddit decided that they were no longer going to give access to their APIs for free. And there was a lot of, a lot of pushback. There was a lot of people complaining, um, but Apollo was really one of the, basically the most popular app out there for, you know, kind of interacting with Reddit and um, due to the, you know, API pricing changes, which was, was nothing. And then they made it something. It was going to cost Apollo something along the lines of $20 million a year to uh, continue accessing the um, Reddit APIs that Apollo was, had to basically shut their doors because they couldn't uh, or couldn't or didn't want to, to pay for it. But they weren't going to make the the revenue to be able to pay the bill, right? Now, wasn't there a um, what would you call it? I guess a, a sit down or something else on Reddit. Like people went to to fight to get um, to reinstate Apollo or to get access for Apollo. Like they stopped using the site. Everybody like shut down their usage yeah. of Reddit for a while or something like that. I think I read. So someone someone that's a pretty heavy Reddit user. Um, there was a whole bunch of protests. So a lot of the different subreddits decided to, um, to do kind of protests, you know, some, some of them were shut down for started out with a couple of days and some of them lasted to like a week of another, um, another, um, tactic they used was to kind of mark everything as graphic content. So then it gets kind of hidden from APIs um, that was not incredibly successful. All right. <laughs> in in a lot of ways, like almost all of the subreddits are back. Yeah. Uh, very, very, very rarely do do any kind of protests actually do anything. It, I agree with know, that. Yes. Um, but the you know, I guess to like talk about it from a business perspective a little bit. Reddit has to charge something you, you know, you're, you're creating a platform to ask questions, get answers, you know, Google, the, the, the most interesting thing that actually to me came out of this whole kind of saga with Reddit was how reliant Google actually is on things like Reddit. For content, right. For content. Like if you're going to get, generally going to something like Reddit is going to get you a good set of information about a given topic. And there was a whole lot of things on Google that were broken when 
the whole protests were going on and all of these different subreddits decided to, to basically lock themselves. I mean, that was essentially the, the kind of the protesters point was that we're actually making the content. I get it. Yeah. But at, at some point you have to be able to run a business as well. Um, I think the disappointing thing is that Reddit couldn't come up with some kind of a solution with Apollo. A lot of people really loved that thing. It, you know, $20 million seems kind of crazy. Maybe they could have came up with something. I don't know how, again, this is me armchair quarterbacking. I don't know if Apollo came with, you know, the best interest to the negotiation table or right. if the folks that read it did either. I don't know. Um, but it's, it's a little sad that they couldn't have come to some kind of an agreement to keep, to keep that going. But it could have helped grow their platform because it, it kept yeah. it, it made it usable for a lot of people who were not heavy, you know, Reddit app specific users, I guess. Right. It, it made a, a better user interface for the tool. I never actually yep. used it, so I, I don't know it specifically, but I know you you're heavily on on Reddit. I never used Apollo either, to be frank. Um, but lots of people hate the 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 Reddit kind of UI. I don't I don't mind it to be to be honest about it. Yeah. It's not it's not the end. I I guess I've maybe I guess being in the industry we're in, I've seen way worse. Yeah, yeah. So I can just kind of up with it and be, be kind of okay yeah um there's i saw articles out here talking about people sideloading older versions and trying to find yeah. other ways of, of getting data in it to use it there's also a couple of the tools out here which again i don't know the tools but narwhal infinity and bacon reader they say have less features but also have a more smoother and more enjoyable um experience when you're trying to read the content from reddit yeah and i, I, I you know, that's the, you have to make a business out of it. And that to me is the shot that I'll take against kind of Apollo or these other ones. Your whole business model was that, you know, Reddit is going to give you this stuff for free and that you can just monetize off the top of that. That is not a sustainable business model in almost any way. And you kind of had to think something like this was probably going to happen at some point. Yeah. You have but, to pay for it. You don't get everything for free. Yeah. Yeah. But there, there's one other, one other kind of interesting one that, that we haven't talked about yet, but that's the, uh, that's the lightning cable. Oh yeah. Everybody was mad when that happened. Oh man. There's some people <laughs> mad in the Hornet about the lightning cable. We keep buying all these cables and connectors and everything else. And they keep switching. Yeah. That is so and very true. I do, have to, I do have to stick my foot in my mouth a little bit, though. I made a prediction. This was before, I think before we were doing the podcast. But when, you know, the EU, so the EU came down and basically said, you know, you have to use USB-C, essentially. Like, it's not exactly what they said, but, um, you know, basically. And, well, actually, to put it this way, if you're going to use a cable, the cable must be USB-C. Right. And I'm going to state it that way because when you read that, if you use a cable and I was betting that Apple was never going to put USB-C in the iPhone 
that they were going to get to, I think they had until next year would have been the last year before the law really officially kicked in. Okay. I was going to bet that they were just going to have no cable at all. And it was just going to go straight to wireless charging. You get a wireless charging kind of cable with it. And it still fits there. It, it fits the letter of the law because you're not using a cable anymore. You're using a wireless charger. And so I was betting that they were just going to axe the cable altogether, use a wireless charger, and that's the way things were going to go. But I, I was wrong. Yeah, I remember that it was... I just looked it up really quick. It says 2012 was the lightning connect connector and it replaced the older 30 pin dock connectors that we used to have. Um, The watch came out in 2015 and uh, 2017 was the iPhone X kind of idea. And that was when it started to do wireless charging. And then that's where everyone was starting to talk about, you know, okay, that's the death of the port. Everything's going to be wireless, like you're saying. No more ports, yeah. no more connectors. And uh, that didn't happen, obviously. But yeah. And it's yeah, one, yeah. I, they're awful close. The, you know, and that's why I, I, I'm still surprised that they just didn't. I mean, the, the Apple Watches are all wireless charging. Yep. So much. They've got the, you know, the, the MagSafe and all kinds of things that just just seems to make sense in a, in a phone that's so small where space becomes such a premium. Yeah. I think it's mainly backward compatibility and the, the fear that they're going to have customers that don't want to buy the phone because they can't plug it into some of their older devices. Like you yeah. need some type and of, some type of connection, some type of port. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you could still do some kind of like Bluetooth to us i mean there's a, there's ways you could come up with oh, it of course and i guess they just didn't want to do any of that yeah. i mean it is a nice thing it makes it more uh, it makes it lighter and smaller you know because they further get to take those components out of the phone so lighter and smaller and uh better water resistance right because mm-hmm. that is still an opening yep. in the phone so yep. i mean there are really good reasons for getting rid of it as well as we don't have to keep buying more cables <laughs> You've got a million cables around anyway. Oh, I, got I don't really see. I don't really see the difference. If I'm going to be completely honest about it, I got bags of cables just like you. But I'm looking for one, and you got to go. Oh, is it USB A or C on which end? And which end do I need for what I'm plugging into? And God forbid if you travel for work and you grab the wrong cable accidentally, and now you grab the one that looked like the other one, but it's the wrong ends, and now you can't charge your stuff. Or yep, it's crazy. Well, yeah, and that that's honestly more the the headache that i have where like the not the charging end but the other end used to be like the old usb and then now it's the usb c i've got a bunch you know i had some things where it just doesn't work and especially with travel like yeah any way you can cut down on the amount of crap that you have to carry you're going to be way better off so i've never really been super i don't do a bunch of data moving like that was the one big thing that they talked about with the you know the lightning cable. Oh well, you can you know transfer data super super quick, and but I never did any of that, so I don't. Yeah, yeah. I never had that problem where I'm like, oh, I wish my connection was faster for that. I agree. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. Hopefully, this one sticks around long enough that at least we get some value out of all the cables and connectors we had to buy now. Right. <laughs> yeah. the The only 
downside to some of this is at some point, a better connector is going to come along. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden you've got a law that basically says you have to use the USB-C, which we all know how slow governments can be on all kinds of things. And this to me feels like, and this is a bit of Apple's argument. You know, you're now baking this into. Yeah. Well, it's it's where the, yeah, but it's also where the government, the government shouldn't be involved in any of this stuff. So that is not their job. I agree. There just seems to be bigger fish to fry from a government perspective on what cable a device uses. Yes. yeah. How about focus on some of the other important issues you should be focused on and let's us we'll worry about our cables. Like, yeah. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I keep most of that to myself, but you can kind of tell where I'm gonna go with that. So I'll keep it keep it quiet there. So this one, this next one, I'm actually very surprised by this that that this was still a thing. And it's Netflix shipping DVDs. <laughs> I had no idea zero that you could still get a dvd from netflix yeah up until very recently right up until this year yep i didn't realize that that was still a thing that you could actually actually do but you could and now they finally said yep we're not doing the mail order dvd business anymore we're just rolling all streaming and and kind of go from there I don't even have a DVD player anymore. I I wonder how many people were actually, you know, still getting that shipped to their house. More than a few, I guess. Yeah, it says um, declining DVD usage, the streaming gained popularity in 2021. They said that only a fraction of their overall overall revenue was coming from the actual DVD. Mm-hmm. I did hear an interesting stat on Netflix the other day and where there's more, more content is uploaded to YouTube every hour than is in the entire Netflix catalog. I believe it. Nobody's probably watching most of it, but it gets uploaded, which is pretty, which is, that is an enormous amount of data, but it's just, it's just pretty staggering as to, you know, where you know kind of open content versus curated content you know built by hollywood uh um but yeah no more uh no more dvds from netflix man you're gonna have to you're gonna have to finally move on and uh you're just gonna have to go to Redbox. and um, um i did see one of those the other day i was gonna say they're still around yeah 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 i uh it's an interesting thing so now that it's gone and Redbox is kind of the only com- only company with DVDs now. Is this considered a niche market and something where you know a, a company would come back out again, right? Like a blockbuster for nostalgic reasons, and yeah. and start trying to have small, you know, communities, uh, DVD stores in in certain communities, and and try to try to bring back the more nostalgic side of it. Not that it would work. I wouldn't go start one, but just for fun. And to your point, who who has a? I don't have a DVD player anymore. Yeah, I don't. I definitely don't have a VHS. I don't have any anything other than what I can get on my phone or my iPad. Yeah, 
like computers don't even come with the ports really or the devices to plug it in anymore you know for a while our laptops used to come even with an external dvd reader if you remember oh yeah the whole cd port where it came out yeah oh yeah yeah none of that now nope so well Well, i got one for discussion here which i think is an interesting one because it's not really dead but i keep seeing this on articles and it's um they're saying twitter is dead long live x right now that's just a name change. I don't see that as dead and alive. How do you see that? Yeah. I don't either. It's a, it's a shift, you know, it's a shift towards being a different platform with Twitter, the traditional kind of Twitter being still the core foundation, but there's talk of building in, um, you know, like YouTube style video and, you know, calling each other and, you know, monetary like transactions. And um, we'll see, you know, this is kind of really covered in a lot of politics at the current moment, which we'll keep out of at this point. But from a, a technology perspective, I think one thing, I think Twitter taught the world a very interesting lesson that I don't hear a lot of people talk about. And it's around, why does it take 8,000 people to run a company like that? Yes. A lot of overhead, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, you can't run that company with 2,500. Well, clearly you can. You know, you can talk like, you know, maybe they cut too much, maybe they didn't. But I think a some of the pushes this year from like layoffs and those types of things were spurred on by some of this type of thing where, oh, you can actually run a company with half of the people or less. And it's it's taught people a lesson around how these things can actually work. And I don't know. We'll we'll see how that continues, but with the, the push for developer productivity and all of these other aspects, this was a very interesting thing. Just like COVID taught us that, you know, working from home is a thing that can actually happen. You're right. But there could oh. be value in making certain organizational changes. Um, and they do work. They're now proven to work. That's right. Yeah. It's a very and good point. The only the only other interesting one that I had on my list, and this kind of goes back to the inshitification <laughs> episode we did a while back, where um for anybody that doesn't know, it's it's talking or well, actually go back and listen, and then, then you can come back and pick this one back up. But it's it's really around the when building a platform, you know you have to have two things. You have to have your producers and you have to have your consumers and you can't have consumers without producers and vice versa. It becomes a chicken and egg problem. But once you get all of the consumers, you know, you want to go basically bring the consumers in with cheap stuff, lots of discounts and all kinds of other things. Then once you have all of them, then you've got to get all the producers in there. You give them all kinds of interesting deals. Then once you have the producers and the consumers, then you start to rake both of them for all of the money and you start to go from there. Well, two things that ended this year were the TikTok and the Instagram Reels creator funds. 
And what they were basically trying to do, well, you know, you had, you already brought in all the consumers and now you needed more people to be creators. And you've come up with these funds to be able to give out to creators and give them money and, and all of those things boost all of their numbers to make them feel like they're going to make a bunch of money. Yep. Well, now that they've been able to give out some of that money, all of this stuff is going to get rolled back and they're going to start just tightening the screws down on just about everybody. Yeah, it's a, a good session we did in that last podcast too. And a good point. You know, it's, I mean, you have to do, you know, to me, the, with these types of things there you there there's there's doing these things to drag people in like we're talking about and yeah. then there's just like yeah we're just trying to help the producers and it, it's a thin line between which one's actually happening but who's getting the value from it who's really that's getting, right yeah Who's it That's really right. for? Is it for the customer? Or is it just for the people making money, selling or creating the marketplace? Yeah. And, you know, if, if you're really trying to get people in and really trying to provide a good platform, you really shouldn't have to do some of those kinds of things. It should grow on its own. But all of them right. have and, and they continue to. And there's plenty of stories of, you know, these producers, you know, kind of the content creators coming on and, their numbers are just wonderful because they're getting, um, what was it? What was the word that we, they used? It was warming. There's something along the lines. Once they, once they, fur, they, they started, they would be behind the scenes, just kind of like bumping up their content to have them more. There's plenty of those stories. And then once yeah. all of this stuff falls off, your, your kind of viewership drops and everything else drops and you're no longer the hot topic because, you know, they've already, they feel like they've already got you onto the platform and it's becoming a part of your, you know, creator kind of cycle. Right. And you're not going to want to leave because now you have your entire audience and you have your entire market there. So you, they, they feel they have, they have you trapped into their environment now. Yep. And so at that point you're, you're kind of stuck. <laughs> yeah. It is a, it is a terrible pattern, unfortunately, because it's not there to help anyone. It's just there to make money. Yeah. And then then I guess the the last one that we could talk about is RIP Google Podcasts. <laughs> that is true. Another, Google is yet another out of that space. <laughs> yet another of you know, add more to the Google graveyard. Um this one's only like a half death, really. And so they had Google Music and which was around for a number of years. I think it was a couple of years back. They, they kind of killed off Google music and then they moved everything over to YouTube music. Yep. And then they had, they had Google podcasts as its own separate thing. And now they're killing off Google podcasts and they're essentially moving it into YouTube. And it's just the app they're getting rid of, not podcasts, just to be correct. clear on that That's too. Correct. Right. But they're, they're moving it into YouTube. And so you now have the YouTube music and YouTube are all kind of connected with the same kind of content. So you can, if you have something labeled as a podcast on YouTube, it now shows in YouTube and in YouTube music. Right. So you can listen to it as a, a true podcast like it is. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of half baked to me. I don't, 
like how it works in some ways, but it's fine. I know from what I was reading, it said around April of next year, the app is going to truly disappear. So they're probably going to have more feature sets and more changes before then to hopefully move all the functionality over. Because like you said, it's kind of clunky right now. Yeah. But it does give you the ability to do video along with podcasts. Which is we're going to do in January for ourselves. We know is a good idea. We are. But then that's the question is if if you have video, is it still a podcast? But that's a whole, like, we're just chopping up words here. Yeah. But we are going to, we are, we are going to start doing video and we're going to start creating other video content. And um, so for anybody that, that uh, wants to find us on YouTube, you should youtube.com slash at think big code small. Yeah. And that will get you to our page. Yep. And like you said, starting in January, we're going to try to do some video and we'll see how that goes along with our, our audio here. And uh, people can see our uh, ugly faces to our radio voices. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. And if you haven't uh, checked it out yet, you should go check out our articles on thinkbigcodesmall.io. Yes. So. We're trying to we write some more almost, articles. We're almost a legit, a legit organization here, Dan. <laughs> yeah, close. Not yet. Not yet. Almost. <laughs> yeah. Uphill. Uphill battle. We're climbing. That's right. We'll get there eventually. Yeah. yeah. These days. But we're, yeah, we got uh, articles. We got some shorts we're going to work on, some video. We got our audio here. We're just trying to uh, both have fun and share some of the knowledge we have from years of uh, years of learning and failures and growth and all the fun stuff that, you know. Yeah, what they say? The first hundred years is the hardest. See, we're we're learning right. as we go. <laughs> we'll get there, but it's been it's been a fun year. It's uh it's been fun to grow and to learn and all those kinds of things. So yeah, look forward to uh, jumping in next year and and seeing seeing what we can do. Yep, and I wish you a happy holiday and all of our listeners a happy holiday as we go. Some have had their holiday. Some are coming up on their holidays still. So we wish everyone a happy holiday. Yeah, same. And then uh, on to 2024, I guess. All right, man. Till then. Excellent. See ya. Cheers.